If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today we're privileged to have back Anita Marcazani. Anita spoke to us in episode 118, and today she's going to talk to us about 10 ways to fill your equine business with purpose, profits, and joy using the four-legged business principles. How are you today, Anita? I'm very well. Thank you, Glenna. Wonderful. Anita, you've got four-legged business principles. So I know there's four of them, and we're using the 10 ways to fill your equine business with purpose, profits, and joy within them. Tell us how these four-legged business principles, the name's a bit catchy, how you actually adopted it, how it came about. It's interesting because it's kind of a combination of a whole bunch of ideas that's been floating around in my head for a number of years. And mm-hmm. really all it is 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 actually just putting it down and turning it into a system, the exact processes and strategies, if you, if you want, of how I've created um, the businesses that I've created in the last few years um, and the work that I've been doing with the clients that I'm working with at the moment. And, and it's just really just giving some clarity to that process, the system that we've been doing, some structure for want of a better term, um, to make it really clear and easy for people to see and understand. Yep, yep. All right, well, we'll start off with principle number one, which is create your own utopia. And we've got three ways to fill your equine business with purpose, profits and joy within that creating your own utopia. So would you like to talk about the first one, which is planning? Yeah, sure. So the way that the four-legged business principles sort of sit together is that there's there's four of them and, and they don't, they all, we look at them all individually but they all influence each other. Mm-hmm. So the first principle, like you said, it, it's it's based around the idea of creating your utopia. And if we're working in our own business or we're building our own business, we are in a really privileged position to be able to literally create our own utopia. Now, if you're a science fiction geek um, like me, then the utopia is a really, really common one um, and really, really, you know, most people have a really clear understanding of what it is. But it's basically, if we look at a definition of a utopia, a manufactured or created or produced place or environment where everything is created to dispel any conflict or any problems. It's you can say that it's a perfect place, but perfection's not a word I'm a fan of using. But it's a place that's created to avoid any problems or to create a really smooth and happy society. Mm-hmm. So I like to draw this analogy to the the really uh, the, like the planning and the goal setting stage of your business because we do have that privilege and we do have that option to be able to create a business that is exactly how we want it to be. And that comes into that first, which is planning. Now, a lot of people, they can either do one or two things. They either over-plan things or yep. they under-plan things. <laughs> it's quite rare to get that sort of perfect mix in the middle. Um, there's a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years that have put 
years and years and years and years and years of planning into something, but then it never gets beyond that stage. Okay. And so nothing ever actually happens. There's no action taken. There's no movement. There's nothing that occurs. Then on the other hand, you get the people that um, jump into it headfirst without any planning and without any concept of what they actually really want or what they want the business to look like to them. And again, they find themselves struggling and always playing catch and getting stuck. So if we're going to be able to really put some effort into creating our own utopia and having a real understanding of what our business is going to do for us and how it's going to look, then we do need to do a little bit of planning. But it shouldn't take more than one page. Okay. And basically all you need to do for planning of your business is you need a blank piece of paper, a pen and a calculator. Mm-hmm. It's all we need to know to be able to plan out what your business looks like in a really basic sense. And obviously this is like a really basic <laughs> one-step plan. But I need to know what it is that you're going to sell. Yes. How much you're going to price it for. And then how many people you need to sell it to in order to make a living. Mm-hmm. That's really all you need to know. So when people tell you to put together a 29-page business plan like they don't want to do when you go into the bank, it's usually a complete waste of time um, because they usually avoid those really difficult questions of, what is it that you're going to sell that's of value to someone? How are you going to price it? How many of those things do you need to sell for it to be a profitable business? Most business plans don't cover that. Okay. <laughs> it's really unusual. Yep, yep, yep. All right, I think that's good. And I think if you're thinking about a business plan, ask those three questions. And, you know, does your business plan include that? Because banks do. They love it if you've got big, thick, you know, that you've put hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks into a business plan. Yeah, yeah. But really, if you've got it. And then you never look at it again. Yeah. Put it in a drawer and you never look at it again. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. You know, really, if you've just got those three things down pat, it's quite easy to see if there's something not working, what you need to change Mm -hmm. because they're really the three main components. Yep. All right. So from the planning, we've got the plan going and we go on into goal setting. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, goal setting is an interesting one. And and I will admit, I came very late to the practice of goal setting, um, which is unusual because I was a, a competitive swimmer. Um, while I knew, but we never, um, coach never really instilled that idea of goal setting into us. So really the first times I started setting some proper putting goals down on paper was as I started my first business. So I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been on the side of the fence where I literally had no goals written down on paper and then I've seen the, the magic that can happen when you actually do put them down on paper. And that's an important thing. I'm a Big fan of writing stuff on paper, using a hand and a pen or a pencil and putting it on paper as opposed to just typing into a computer. There's something different that happens in your brain when you're actually physically connected to the process of writing um, and it really does change things. Yep. Um, it's a little bit magical. So when it comes to goal setting, again, there's, there's the good and the bad side of it. A lot of the times when people are setting really big goals, um, that's a really great thing to have if you've got really big five-year, 10-year goals. But for a lot of people, they can be too big and they can actually be a little bit too scary. And so, again, people don't take action. Okay. So the way that I like to work with my guys is we have a look at, you know, the purpose is the guiding light, ultimately. The purpose is that that northern star that we're working towards. And then we have a five-year vision. We have a 12-month plan. And then we work in 90-day chunks. 
Mm-hmm. So what is it that we want to do over the next two or three months? What's the most important thing? And then it becomes really simple for each day to set a, a, a daily goal or a daily task that is based around the one thing that is the most important thing that you can do to help you reach that 90-day goal. And then because we've actually reverse engineered back from our ultimate purpose, if we achieve that 90-day goal, we know that we're reaching towards our 12-month goal and our five-year vision and ultimately towards our true purpose. But when we work in in really big sphere, it can be really overwhelming and that is, again, what causes people to get stuck. So I like to chunk it right down when it comes to goal setting. Yes, yes, because it's great to have these wonderful, you know, five-year plans, but it's what am I going to do today? And if you keep consistently yes. working towards it, that means you do have a daily goal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly the same, you know, when we're horse riding as well. It's exactly mm, the same exactly. process. Yep. You can apply those same techniques. And you do need to be adaptable, absolutely. And that's where, you know, the five-year vision is always a lot more nebulous than the 90-day goal. The 90-day yep. goal is quite solid. The five-year vision is always changing and always evolving. So you do need to be adaptable and that's where focusing on that one thing that's important today is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now the next one we've got, the next way is the, the real life and real commitment that we're talking about. We're still talking about creating your own utopia. So the third one we've got is real life, real commitment. Yeah. Look, I, I this is an interesting one because I'm very aware that, you know, there is life that goes on around us. Mm. Um, A lot of people talk about the idea of a work-life balance. For me, you know, particularly when you're working in a business that you've created that's come from the heart, that definition between the work and the life is often not there. And that's perfectly okay. It's We're not talking about balancing two distinct things because your work is so much a part of your life um, that it's actually just one big nebulous wibbly-wobbly Ball, right that we're that we're playing around with yeah so you need to be very conscious of you know some weeks you're going to be really really focused on the business and all the balance and the pendulum is going to swing that way and then other weeks your family or your animals or, or your friends are going to need a little bit more time from you so you're going to swing a little bit back the other way so you're always going to be swinging between the two on a pendulum it's balance is a um, kinesthetic thing It's something Mm. that happens through movement. It's not something that is static. So, you know, you want to be very aware of the fact that, you know, your business is your life and that is perfectly okay. But you want to tie into that the awareness that when you are with your friends and your family, you are with them 100%, right? Yep. When you are doing something that is your your happiness, your joy, you're doing that 100%. And the same commitment comes to your clients and your customers. When you're with them, you're with them 100%. That way I think that you can achieve um, that sense of balance. It's being committed to the person that you're with right now. Yep. And and I think that's something that within the horse industry – you know, you talk about the work-life balance and it's not there. It's because of the lifestyle and because people want to get involved with something and work with something that they are passionate about, that there's no clear line. There's no clear, this is work and no. this is not work because, you know, yeah. if you're involved, and that's why we choose this industry is because Absolutely. because of the line, because of the lifestyle. Yeah. Mm. 
And I think, you know, a lot of people use that as a rod to beat themselves with. Yes. You know, they, they, they feel really bad about the, the idea that they've got in their head that they don't have this work-life balance. And, you know, you're, you're 100% right. If people have chosen to create a business or, or to create, a, you know, a life in this industry, it's so much a part of your identity and mm. who you are. There's not going to be that clear definition like there is if you're working for an employer. Yep. All right. Well, that was principle number one from the four-legged business principles. We're going now on to principle number two, which is to be client-focused. And you've got two different tips here, being client-focused. The first one is who do you want to work with? I suppose that's a choice, isn't it? Choosing who you want to work with. Yep. 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 You've hit the nail on the head there. Um, It absolutely is a choice. So the next principle in the four-legged business is to create something that is client-focused. That starts off with being really clear around who it is that you want to work with. And that is tied into knowing what value it is that you have to offer someone and why that's important to them or why that would be meaningful to them. We can't help everyone. You know, you may very well have skills and knowledge and and talents that, that could very well help everyone, but not everyone is going to be receptive to that message. Not everyone is going to believe what you believe. Not everyone is going to have the same values as you. Um, a lot of the times where people are unsatisfied or, or unhappy with the customers or the clients that they're working with, it's because there is a values disconnect mm-hmm. or there's there's something there that's being challenged in terms of your beliefs or, or the way that that person is showing up for them doesn't fit what your, your expectations of your clients. And we absolutely have a choice around who it is that we want to work with and who we're here to serve. Okay. Okay. So if we're talking about serving... This is the next tip you've got for um, within the client mm-hmm. focus is how can you best serve them? Yeah. This is actually where I really love to play with my guys. Um, so with the clients that I'm working with at the moment, this is, this is like the most fun for me, is, is working out how we can best serve them. Because this is about looking at ways to serve our customers that's a little bit out of the ordinary because it is really focused on how we can best serve them. So if we're talking about, um, say, for example, we're talking about um, horse riding coaches. I've got a, a bunch of horse riding coaches I'm working with at the moment. And so we're looking at ways that we can develop different ways of teaching or different ways of delivering their service or, or different structures and packages and, and uh, ways of mentoring and communicating with those clients that is actually going to best serve rather than just going with, what everyone else does, mm-hmm. right? And this will vary depending on your individual, whatever it is that you have of value and what your clients need and what they're looking for. So this is why it's really fun because how can you best serve them is not like a one-fit-all box solution. This is individually tailored to your particular niche market and your particular value that you have to offer. And that's why I find this such a fun place to play with my clients. I think it's interesting because you said that you're working with a few coaches at the moment, Mm. but you're still working with them as individuals. So you're not saying, right, every coach does this. You're saying, right, well, what's going to suit you, your clientele, you know, the people that you want to work with and um, the skills that you already have and packaging something individually. Yep. Yeah. Look, I I think it's really common when people are working with with, um, particularly business coaches and mentors is that. Um, their client encouraged to fit in a box and to follow a particular system. Yep. Um, I, you know, again, I've been guilty of that in the past. 
Um, but and this is where a lot of this this idea of these four principles has come from is is looking into my own business and looking in, inquiring into the, the own way that I'm working, and how could I be more client focused? Well, I need to work with these people on a more individual basis. Um, how can I best serve? those individuals that I'm working with and it's not about making them fit into a box and it's not about making them follow a particular system because everyone has something different of value to offer so how can we best do that um, and that's where this has come from and again that's that's why I really love um, that's my, my favorite part of working yep. with my guys <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> okay now the next thing because we are talking about equine businesses, not horses for hobbies. And we do have to get paid mm-hmm. to actually have a business yes. and, and make sure the business. Yes. Yeah. So can we talk about now getting paid? And we'll talk about the first one you've got here, which is marketing. And I noticed too that you've separated marketing and sales because sometimes it's very easily grouped together, isn't it, with the sales and marketing together. So would you like to talk about marketing first and then we'll talk about sales? Sure. Because you're right, people do normally bundle them in together and a lot of people expect, well, two things. A lot of people expect their marketing to do their sales for them. Um, But then on the other hand, there's a whole bunch of people that think that they actually don't need to do any marketing at all. You know, if if I'm good at something, that should be enough. The world should just come knocking. My phone should just start ringing. If I'm good at what I do, then that's enough. We, um, I don't know whether you've seen the movie um, Field of Dreams, that 80s movie with Kevin Costner. Yes. Um, yes. About the, the baseball one. Yes. And, and, you know, they, they have this line in it which is like really, really famous. If you build it, they will come, mm-hmm. right? I think what happens is when people start their own business, they get really excited and, and they think, oh, if I build it, everyone will just come because mm-hmm. it's all so magical and wonderful and I've got all this great value mm-hmm. to offer people. Now, we're living in a really busy, cluttered world. And there are hundreds of thousands of things clamoring for our attention every day. If you do have something of value to offer someone, you genuinely have to get out there and tell people about it. And that's essentially all marketing is. Now, the other thing that people say about marketing is, I really hate talking about myself. I really hate promoting myself. Now, if you are marketing from the point of view of all you're doing is talking about yourself, and what you do and your qualifications and how great you are and all that kind of stuff, you're doing marketing wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes. Marketing is actually all about the customer. It's all about the other person. It's all about explaining how it is that you can best help that person with a particular problem. It's got very little to do with you at all. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's a good point to make, that it's what can you do to help the person that is your ideal client, what can you do to help them? And it's not all about you. Yeah. 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 Because that's what creates intrigue, right? Yes. If you come out yes. with a message of, hey, I see you and I see you struggling with this problem, would you like some help with that? Mm. That creates more intrigue than, hey, this is me and this is what I do and yeah. I've got this qualification yeah. and this is how much I cost. Yes, 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 very much so. All right, can we go on then to sales? We've talked about marketing and about solving problems, but if we go on now to sales. Yeah, and look, a lot of people will, like you said, dump marketing marketing and sales in together. And business, when, when you break it down, business is really simple. Um, it's not easy, but it's simple. Yes. <laughs> so you need to have inquiries or leads coming in. That's your marketing. You then need to convert some of those people 
through sales. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you get to deliver whatever it is that you do, whether you're delivering a product or whether you're delivering a service. So it's marketing, sales, delivery. That's basically all any business is. Now, without any of those components, so, you know, we're assuming that, that you've got the delivery side down pat, but if you're not marketing to generate inquiries, then you can't have conversations with people that lead into sales which means, of course, you can't deliver what you're doing. Yep. So any of those components are missing, you're going to be in trouble. Sales is, again, a place where people can feel really uncomfortable, largely because they've had a bad experience in the past with sales. You know, we've all been sold to badly by someone. We've all had that experience where it's left us feeling really uncomfortable or worse, we've bought something and had buyer's remorse. We've all had that experience. And so we, we translate that negative experience to our own sales process and it makes us feel uncomfortable. Again, if we're approaching the sales process not so much as a final stage of that marketing process, so sales is not necessarily the end, if we start thinking about our sales process as being the beginning of a relationship with our client, that does shift the the mindset around it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Rather than being, okay, I need to do this thing and I need to get the sale so that I get the money in the bank and then I've done it, it's, it's done, it's an achievement, it's finished. If we're instead of thinking about it as being the end of the process and we're thinking about sales as being the beginning of a relationship with that client or that customer, then that does shift that mindset a little bit and make it a little bit less icky to think about. Yes. So sales is vitally yeah. important and, and you do need to have processes and systems in place around it. Whether it's, you know, again, an online store and you're you're writing sales copy on your on your product listing for an online store or whether you're actually having conversations with people. Yeah. All right. We talked about the delivery, but can we talk in a bit more depth in the about the pricing and packaging? Yeah, cool. So this is another really fun Place that I like to play with um, with my clients is to have a look at what's going on for them in terms of their pricing and their packaging. You know, there's a number of different ways that you can set your pricing in your business, and there's a few ways that we should avoid, um, and there's a few ways that we should definitely lean towards. And the two ways that I really like is basically cost plus profit. Yep. So you work out whatever it is that you're selling, how much it costs you in total to to get to get it landed or to deliver. And then you add on how much profit you want to make per sale. So that's not a bad place to start. The other way that I really like is to actually reverse engineer what your income goal is and then work out working backwards, okay, so how much profit do I need to make or what do I need to price my products or services to be able to achieve that income goal? Mm -hmm. That's a much more strategic way of looking at your pricing than, say, for example, looking at what everyone else is doing, looking at the competition. Yep. Or, or, or battling everyone with discounts or, or doing any of those sort of really short-term, short-sighted strategies. And again, it comes down to what is the value that you have to offer your clients. So this really ties back into who it is you want to work with and how you can best serve them. Because we have, as human beings, we have this really strange thing where we ascribe value to something depending on how much we pay for it, mm-hmm. right? Yes. If we get yes. something for free, we probably don't ascribe quite as much value to it as if we've invested a thousand dollars or thousand dollars into it. Yep. You know, there's there's probably not really that much difference between a Lexus and a Toyota, mm-hmm. but the Lexus appears to have greater value because it's more expensive. Although essentially they come out of the same factory, right? Yep. And you know, same thing. You can look at a, a polo shirt from Target and a polo shirt that's got an Anki name on it. 
basically the same thing, but we ascribe more value to it because something's more expensive. So you can use those strategies and in terms of packaging up and thinking about what is the real value of what I have to offer my clients. And you will find a different level of commitment from your clients depending on how much they have actually invested into working with you. And same thing with customers, right? If we're dealing with customers, there is a difference between a client and a customer. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is the same thing with customers as well. Yep. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. So we've got that. You've talked about cost plus profit. You've talked a lot about the value that we're going to be given our customers. But principle number four is profit and impact. So we're going to go into a bit more depth, I think. And the first one is understanding your numbers. Can we talk about that? Yeah. This is where it all comes together. So the other three principles will all sort of come together to create the profit and the impact. Now, when we're talking about profit, we're literally talking about profit. I'm not talking about the money that you use to pay your bills and and, and go to the shops with and everything else. Yep. That's wages or owner's compensation, that is completely different to profit. Profit is cash that you take out of the business to invest elsewhere to create wealth, to sit in a a term deposit and and earn interest, to do whatever else with. It's literally profit from the business. So the number one thing that that we need to understand when we're looking at how the numbers work in your business is literally understanding how the numbers work in the business. Because so many people avoid this. I mean, I'm one of those people who hated maths at school. I mean, I have this really clear um, memory in my mind of, of going to ask my dad, who was a civil engineer, when I was struggling with algebra. Um, and I said, but I don't understand. He's like, but X plus Y equals Z. I'm like, but why? I don't understand. <laughs> yep. And I just, I really couldn't understand it. He couldn't understand that I didn't understand. Mm. But what I've discovered in the last few years of doing my business is that business is algebra, right? Mm -hmm. Marketing is algebra. It's like this plus this equals this. You know, you put put these dollars in here, you get these number of leads and it equals this many dollars in terms of sales. Business is numbers. In fact, business is two things. It's math and it's psychology. So to be able to actually create any sort of real substantial profit which in turn enables you create, to create an impact in whatever way you want to create that impact, you need to put some time and effort into understanding your numbers. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be really simple, but you do need to put in that, that time and effort to, to get at least a basic understanding and not just say, here, bookkeeper, do all the stuff, because if you don't understand, you can't make informed decisions around what's going on in your business. You don't understand what's working and what's not, and you don't know where to make those changes to see the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's good. I think that's the, the numbers. But then the last one we've got is the financial security, which everyone wants, and then freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is really more tied into the idea of, of creating an impact or leaving an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to a lot of people that, you know, they really want to, you know, they want to help lots of people. They want to help everyone. They want to do charity work. They want to give back. It comes back to that whole idea of putting your own gas mask on first. Yep. You know, we have to be able to take care of our own financial responsibilities first. We have to be able to look after our own backyard, our own family, our own animals. 
make sure that everything in that situation is is secure and cared for and looked after, and then we can start looking at the bigger picture. It's I, I, it's really quite sad because I see a lot of people, you know, jump into giving. And, like, don't get me wrong, I've always given. I've always given a percentage. You know, even when I've been on the bare bones of my ass, I've always given a percentage of what I what I create in terms of, of cash to um, to charities. Yep. But where it gets really frustrating and really sad is where people are giving way more than they can actually afford and their own family and their own health and their own well-being and their own stress levels are suffering as a result. Mm-hmm. It's you're going to be able to create a far bigger impact and, and a more lasting impact if you have created a sense of stability or financial stability for yourself, for your family, for your own well-being, for your own business, and then you've got the freedom to be able to choose to do whatever it is that you want to do that's going to create that bigger impact. Yep. You know, If you yep. want to go and run clinics and workshops and educate, if you want to go to Africa or Asia and teach different people how to do different things with their horses, then if you've got a, a financially secure and profitable business, you can use the profit from your business to fund that stuff. And that's mm. how social enterprises work, right? Yep. Social enterprises work on that basis. They're profitable businesses, so things like Thank You Water and things like that, and they use the profit to fund whatever it is that they want to do that makes a difference rather than relying on government grants, um, applying for funding, crowdfunding, all those different ways that is reliant on someone else giving you things create a business that's profitable and then have the freedom to to use that profit in whatever way you want to create the impact that you want to leave behind. Yep, yep, oh, that's good. All right, Anita, we're just going to summarise before we go. We'll go back over the 10 ways to fill your equine business with purpose, profits and joy using the four-legged business principles. Mm. We're just going to go over these principles again. So, The first principle we talked about was create your own utopia. And we talked about planning, goal setting, real life and real commitment within that. So would you like to just summarise that? Oh, more than I already have. Um, Okay. (laughs) No, I think just as a bit of a review so people can go over it. Yeah, it's only just a summary. It comes back to the idea we have a choice, right? We always have a choice when it comes to to, to that. And that's what creating your own utopia is. You're in the driving seat. You make the choices where you want to go. Brilliant. Okay, the next one we talked about being client-focused where we choose who we want to work with and we also then choose how we can best serve them. Yeah, um, and this is probably the cornerstone for a Mm. whole bunch of different stuff. You know, you really want to have a very clear understanding of of who it is that you want to work with and why you want to work with that person and how you can best serve them for sure. Yep. All right, the third one, which is also important when you're running a business, is getting paid. You did separate the marketing, the sales. You talked about the delivery and the pricing and packaging. Yeah. If we don't get paid, we can't do very much else. Yeah. We can't feed our family. We can't we can't create that that impact that we want to leave. So learning and again, most people get into business because they're good at a particular skill or they're good at a particular offering. The sales and the marketing and how to do the pricing and the packaging and run the numbers, they are skills that you have to learn. They're not usually something that people come out of the womb fully formed knowing how to do all the stuff. Um, you guys know how to train horses. You guys know how to teach. You guys know how to, you know, sell whatever it is that you're selling. The sales and the marketing is skills that you have to learn and you have to seek out someone to learn those from. Yep, yep. 
All right, but also getting paid takes us in, then into profit and impact. And we talked about understanding mm-hmm. the numbers, the financial security and the freedom. Yeah, don't avoid looking at the numbers. That's like the number one biggest mistake I see is people avoid looking at their numbers. It really is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, Anita, wonderful to talk to you. Now, if you could just say again how people can contact you, the contact details are also on interview 118. But if you'd like to say them again, uh, and if people would like to contact you and find out a bit more about what you do, that'd be great. Sure. Um, I've got a, a website with a whole bunch of articles and, and blogs that I've that I've written up there. If people want to read a little bit more um, about marketing tips and things like that, but getupandgallop.com.au. You can find me on Facebook at Get Up and Gallop. And then, of course, you can email me at anita at getupandgallop.com.au. Brilliant. Okay, thanks, Anita, for sharing your knowledge with us today. I'm sure we'll all benefit from that. I'm sure we'll all get something out of it to go away and just think about. You know, I think that was good. So hopefully we'll catch up with you again sometime soon. You're very welcome, Bennett. Bye. Bye. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 